Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. An important part of living an inspired life is feeling good about the purchases you make, both the product and the company behind it. That's why I happily support today's sponsor, Real Paper, the bamboo toilet paper that both does good and feels good. With Real Paper, you get a super soft three-ply toilet paper made from eco-friendly bamboo, sustainably sourced. No inks or dyes are used, and there's no plastic packaging. On top of that, with each purchase you make, you are helping Real Paper succeed in its mission to increase access to clean toilets in developing countries around the world. Get Real Paper delivered right to your door with free shipping by going to realpaper.com. Then use the coupon code LIVING for 25% off. Take note that the word REAL is spelled R-E-E-L. Go to realpaper.com. Thank you. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Freedom of Life by Annie Payson Call, published in 1905. Most of you probably have had the experience of hurrying to catch a train or bus with the feeling that something was holding you back. But many of you have not observed that your muscles, under such conditions, actually do pull you back. All that impeding contraction comes from resistance, and it seems at first sight very strange that we should resist the accomplishment of the very thing we want to do. Why should we resist the idea of catching some transportation, when at the same time we are most anxious to do so? Why should our muscles reflect that resistance by contracting, so that they directly impede our progress? It seems a most singular case of a house divided against itself for me to want to catch a train, and for my own muscles, which are given me for my command, to refuse to take me there, so that I move toward the train, with an involuntary effort away from it. But when the truth is recognized, all this muscular contraction is easily explained, what we are resisting is not the fact of catching the train, but the possibility of losing it. That resistance reflects itself upon our muscles and causes them to contract. Although this is a practical truth, it takes us some time to realize that the fear of losing the train is often the only thing that prevents our catching it. If we could learn this fact thoroughly, and live from this clear knowledge, it would be one of the greatest helps toward taking all things in life quietly and without necessary strain. For the fact holds good in all occasions of hurry. It is the fear of not accomplishing what is before us in time that holds us back from its accomplishment. This is so helpful and so useful a truth that I feel it necessary to repeat it in many ways. Fear brings resistance. Resistance impedes our progress. Our faculties are paralyzed by lack of confidence, 
and confidence is the result of a true consciousness of our powers when in harmony with our higher selves. Often the fear of not accomplishing what is before us is the only thing that stands in our way. If we put all hurry, whether it be an immediate hurry to catch a train, or years of hurry toward the accomplishment of our goals in life, if we put it all under the clear light of this truth, it will eventually relieve us of a strain which is robbing our vitality to no end. To start, the times that we must hurry should be minimized. In nine cases out of ten, the necessity for hurry comes only from our own attitude of mind and from no real need whatsoever. In the tenth case, we must learn to hurry with our muscles and not with our nerves, or I might better say, we must hurry without excitement. To hurry quietly is to most people an unknown thing, but when hurry is actually a necessity, the process of hurrying should be pleasant and refreshing. If when in needful hurry, we are constantly teaching ourselves to stop resistance by saying over and over, through whatever we may be doing, I am perfectly willing to lose that train. I am willing to lose it. I am willing to lose it. That will help remove the resistance, and so help us to learn how to make haste quietly. If we want to avoid hurry, we must get the habit of hurry out of our brains and cut ourselves off, patiently and kindly, from the atmosphere of hurry around us. The habit gets so strong a hold of the nerves, and is pressed upon them so forcibly as a steady tendency, that it can be detected by a close observer even in a person who is lying on a sofa, in the full belief that they are resting. It shows itself especially in the breathing. A wise athlete once told me that our normal breathing should consist of six breaths to one minute. If you will try this rate of breathing, the slowness of it will surprise you. Six breaths to one minute seems unnecessarily slow. Double that seems about the right number for most people. But the habit of breathing at this slower rate is a great help, from a physical standpoint toward erasing the tendency to hurry. Now let us talk of the habit of worrying, which is often connected with the tendency to hurry. It is, in most cases, a great mistake to reason with a worry. We must first drop the worry, and then do our reasoning. If dropping the worry seems impossible, we can separate ourselves from it enough to prevent it from interfering with our reasoning. There is never any real reason for a worry, because as we all know, worry never helps us to gain anything, and often it is the cause of our losing the things which we so much desire. Sometimes we worry because we are tired, and in that case if we can recognize the real cause, we should use our willpower to withdraw our attention from the object of worry and get all possible rest at once, in the confident belief that rest will make things clear, or at least more clear than they were when we were tired. 
it would be hard to compute the harm that has been done by kindly but misguided people who try to reason with the worry of a friend when their anxiety is increased by fatigue or illness. To reason with someone who is tired or ill and worried only increases the mental strain, and every effort that is made to reason them out of it aggravates the strain, until finally the poor brain, through their friend's kindly men effort, has been worked into an extreme state of irritation or even inflammation. For the same reason, a worried mind should not be laughed at. Worries that are aroused by fatigue or illness are often most absurd, but they are not absurd to the mind that is suffering from them, and to make fun of them only brings more pain and more worry. Gentle, loving attention with kindly, truthful answers will always help, for by such attention, we are really giving no importance to the worry, but only to our friend, with the hope of soothing and quieting them out of their worries, so that when they are rested, they may see the truth for themselves. Remember that worrying is resistance, and resistance is unwillingness. Unwillingness interferes with whatever we may want to accomplish. To be willing that this, that, or the other thing should happen seems quite difficult, when to our minds this, that, or the other thing may bring disaster. And yet if we can once see clearly that worrying resistance tends toward disaster, rather than away from it, or at the very least takes away our strength and endurance, it is only a matter of time before we become able to drop our resistance altogether. However, it is a matter of time, and not instantaneous. So, once we are faced toward freedom from worry, we must be patient and steady, and not expect to gain very rapidly. We must be persistent, and resist the temptation to do nothing to overcome our worries. I remember a woman who once said to me, Now I have got something to worry about for the rest of my life. Her face was set toward worrying. Nothing but her own will could have turned it to the other way. And yet she deliberately chose not to use it. And so she was fixed and settled in her self-made prison for the rest of her life. Lastly, let us talk of irritability for that is also resistance. There are two kinds of irritability, physical and moral. There is an irritability that comes when we are hungry, or if we have eaten something that disagrees with us, or if we are cold or tired or uncomfortable from some other physical cause. When we feel that kind of irritability, we should ignore it as we would ignore a little snapping dog across the street at the same time removing its cause as quickly as we can. It is simple to recognize this merely physical form of irritability, and we should no more allow ourselves to speak or act or even think from this state of mind than we should allow ourselves to walk directly into foul air when the good fresh air is close to us on the other side. Moral irritability is more serious that comes from the soul, and is the result of our wanting our own way. 
The immediate cause may be some physical disturbance, such as noise, or it may be aroused by other petty annoyances, like that of being obliged to wait for someone who is late, or by a disagreement in an argument. There are very many causes for irritability, and we each have our own individual sensitivities or antipathies. But whatever the secondary cause, the primary cause is always the same, resistance or unwillingness to accept our circumstances. If we are fully willing to be disturbed, we cease to be troubled by the disturbance. If we are willing to wait, we are not annoyed by being kept waiting, and we are in a better, more quiet humor to help the other person to the habit of punctuality. If we are willing that another person should differ from us in opinion, we can see more clearly either to convince them if they are wrong, or to admit that they are right, and that we are wrong. The essential condition of a good argument is freedom from personal feeling with the desire only for the truth, whether it comes from one party or the other. Hurry, worry, and irritability all come from a selfish resistance to the facts of life, and the only permanent cure for the waste of force and exhausting distress that they cause is a willingness to accept those facts of life, whatever they may be in a spirit of cheerful and reverent obedience to our higher selves. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org slash patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.